Welcome back, everyone, to another very strange episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. And it's not strange because I'm joined once again by Tone Audio's Jeff Dorgay. But um, anyway, Jeff, how are you? You know, doing well. It's not. It's not. Um... Not as bad as all the press would lead you to believe. You know, it's uh, so far so good. Yeah, for you and I, it's not so much of a shift, is it? Because we both work from home anyway. Right, right. So I'm not, I'm not seeing a real change um, in my day to day. I mean, the we about two weeks ago we had kind of a mad run on paper goods at the stores mm. but um the rest of it at, at least here i'm in vancouver washington i'm about um i'm about 10 minutes from portland oregon i'm not as mm. close to, you know i'm way i'm i'm three hours uh south of seattle so um you know we're we're it's been pretty pretty day-to-day pretty normal people have been pretty civilized pretty polite um there hasn't been any madness yet so um i mean you know are, are things closed i mean ha, has the government forced the closure of bars and clubs yes. as they have here right okay so yes yes so it's uh, just drive-through things now so a cafe still opens like i know that starbucks are just doing takeouts but right right that's it it's only for we we have a two-week they're they're saying they're washington state and i believe oregon state as well are doing uh I think Oregon it might be three weeks, but I know here in Washington they're saying two weeks and then they will reevaluate. So mm. yeah, I think it's gonna go longer here. But it's a pity actually because today has been the first uh Phil Collins spring day of the ah. year. <laughs> and I call it a Phil Collins this is a dad joke coming by the way. I call okay. it a Phil Collins spring day because no jacket required. Beep, beep, beep. You know, beep, beep. You know, I've, there we go. <laughs> you know, I've had th- at least three people email me going, what is the beeping noise in the background of your podcast? And I said to people, like, I think it's your alarm system, right? And you can't turn it off. Is that right? Yeah, it is. And I can't turn it. I've, I've fallen and I can't get up to turn off the alarm. Yeah, sorry. And I've tried and I have it taped. I've taped over it really heavily. You know, come to think of it. Here, let me put... Let me put my big furry Pacific Northwestern hat over the alarm box and see if that helps us. Okay. Is that better? <laughs> any better? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Look, it, doesn't, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any difference to me. It's just that you know what audio files are like. They can't, I mean, I'm pretty oh anal attentive. Don't we? And which leads us to today's broadcast, right? It does. I mean, we're going to be talking about snake oil and i i I've, I've treated this so seriously jeff that i've written a, a page and a half of notes because i really want to tackle this properly and thoroughly but i didn't want to like i know you said you had something good to start with and i'm wondering whether it's a good st- whether it's going to spoil my plan or not well <laughs> Well, you can cut this out if you want. Um, you start, and then I'll I'll see if I can steer it towards the way I want to structure this. Well, can I can I start it out with a product that everyone tells me is snake oil, but then when they hear it, they go, "Oh, wow, that does kind of make a difference." Okay, let, let's actually, let, yeah, that's a good is idea. That okay? Let's start. Let's start with that because I've got some. Yes, let's let's do that. Okay. Here's the one, here's the product 
that's sure to make everyone up in arms. Mm. The big Furatech record demagnetizer, Mm -hmm. you know, that was one of those products that probably 10 years ago, eight, nine, 10 years ago, I just went, oh, that can't be. That's all crazy. La, 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 la. I had a friend of mine with a PhD in physics give me this long explanation why this thing couldn't possibly work. So mm-hmm. we walked in the Furatech room at Rocky Mountain Audio Fest, all prepared, guns blazing. We were going to rip this guy, you know, to shreds, right? Mm-hmm. And he did a demo, and we both looked at each other and went, holy cow, that thing really does make a difference. Mm. And so I ended up buying one. And every time someone comes over to my place, they go, oh, you've got that crazy record demagnetizer thing. That's snake oil. That thing doesn't work. And I said, well, hey, tell you what, let's play a record. You tell me what it does. Mm. And I said, just here, listen to this. You tell me if you hear anything. Every single time they Hmm. go, wow, that thing really does make a difference. And everybody, everybody, whether they're an audiophile or not, hears the same thing, describes the same thing. Wow, everything just got more relaxed. Everything just got more open. Everything on the top end is, is smoother yet more resolving. You know, la, 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 la. They're like, I would have never guessed that. Now, to the same effect, the demagnetizer is supposed to work. It's supposed to do the same magic on CDs. Okay. Mm. Now, I have tried the demagnetizer on every, on regular CDs, SACDs, DVDAs, gold CDs, um, regular uh, rewritable, you know, recordable CDs, not a molecule of difference. And, mm. and I mean, dude, that's through a DCS Vivaldi. So if you can't right. hear the, if you can't hear the Delta on that thing, there's no Delta to be had. And sure, sure. so, um, but the, but the, on the vinyl thing, whether it's a demagnetizer, whether it's just a very elaborate um, anti-static device, it's pretty apparent, mm-hmm. you know. However, when we tried it on some of the clear, do you remember some of those clear records that classic that classic records did? I do. Well, I know what a clear vinyl record is, and I, I right. know who classic records are, but right. I've never. They did their yeah. like super vinyl that was clear, that was blah. It did have no effect on the clear vinyl records. That is interesting. So I do wonder if there's some kind of minute little surface charge on, you know, from the carbon and the black, la, 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 all that. I mean, we're operating at five millionths of a volt, so who knows what's going on. However, yeah. you know, it's it was definitely something, you know, we could hear the difference. And, um, and, and I guess that's where the snake oil thing for me, you know, there's, there's some things that I haven't, I haven't been able to hear. I mean, some of, you know, some of the, and and they've been more in the acoustic world that I've, you know, I've tried these little dots and some of that stuff. I mean, I'll try anything. And there have been some things that I, I, I have not heard a difference. I, I think personally, my, my experience with so-called snake oil products have Mm. more been 
products that I guess for me, when I if, if I were to tell you DAC A was better than DAC B, to me, in order for DAC A to be better than DAC B, DAC A has to reveal more musical information, not just be different. Okay. You know? And and so am I is DAC A giving me a wider dynamic range? Is it giving me a bigger sound stage? Is it more musically natural rather than just is DAC A kind of warm sounding and DAC B kind of clinical? Does that make sense? Yeah, this is an interesting um, idea you've put forward because you might find that somebody else prefers the opposite to you, and therefore, you, I mean, how do you then determine whether it's snake? Well, then, or not, but... but then they'd want DAC. Then they would want DAC B. It doesn't mean. DAC B is necessarily better, but it means DAC B is better for them. Mm. And that's the, mm. I think that's the thing we, we agonize as lovers of high performance audio. It's not necessarily always something to me, whatever component is you have doesn't have to be better or annihilate or destroy the component sure, sure. I have. It just has to be better for you. Okay, so that's so. What about this situation then? Okay, okay. Let's say let's say DAC A sells for five thousand dollars, right? And I score it at five out of ten. Okay, right. Just in an arbitrary scale. Now we've got DAC B. Now that sells for ten thousand dollars, and that I score at six out of ten. Now, would you agree that? people's responses to that delta will vary according to their relationship to money. Yes. Right. So what Definitely. they're talking about is, is a value perception, right? For some people that extra five grand to net that extra one point of difference will be worth it. They can afford it. It's your, you know, as you say, very often it's the decision tree in process. Yes. And yes. some people will say, no, that's a ripoff. There's no way I'm spending twice the money for 20% more performance, right? Which is also fair enough. <clears throat> but I mentioned this because I want to come back to this later. Okay. So this is a this is a sort of a value judgment. And these value judgments depend upon basically how much money we have as disposable income and how we choose to spend that disposable income. But before we kind of, I, I kind of want to take, I want to go on a bit of a journey here, Jeff. All so right. what I'm going like to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put out a statement. I'm going to, I'm going to say something. And it's generally, actually, this is probably how I feel about it. But I want you to tell me if you agree. Obviously, it's totally fine if you disagree. But I'm going to, I'm going to say I've got about four or five of these statements to throw at you. And I'd love to know what you think, right? Okay. So before we get into the sort of mechanics of, you know, snake oil, I want to just talk about, what it really means in terms of the manufacturer. So my first statement is this, and you tell me if you agree or not. Okay. Snake oil, snake oil is a serious allegation. Yes. I, I, I mean, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. And that leads me to number two, my, my second statement, right? So tell me if you agree with this. Snake oil is tantamount to an accusation of fraud. 
Um, maybe not fraud, but maybe slander. But maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, slander is bespurging somebody's reputation verbally, isn't it? True. Right. So fraud is it's calling is... someone a li- yeah. I guess fraud's better because you're calling someone a liar. Yes, but like, but you're it's fraud because they are a- actively trying to deceive people out of money, right? Yes. They 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 know it makes no difference. We'll come to this in a bit. They'll anyway. I, I won't now. I won't spoil my own. Sure. <laughs> My own thread here. So next one. Okay. Snake oil is price independent. Yeah. I mean, if, if something's completely um, without merit, it doesn't matter if it's a dollar or a million dollars, really. I agree. It's just, le- there's just less of a penalty for doing that. Um, you know, and there's, there's a big part of it too, though, mm. that, I mean, some of the really, really, tweaky audio files you know in their heads they really do believe they're hearing it hmm. you know so what do you, i don't what, what do you mean by are you talking about psychoacoustics maybe um you know i mean there there's a certain um i can't remember who the guy is here in the u.s but i i guess it's kind of the equivalent of you know this guy kind of comes over and and blesses your system essentially and hmm. you know i'm <sighs> Call me close-minded, but I'm not buying it, you know? Sure. Um, you know, and... But, but doesn't that come back to the, the thing you were talking about with your um, uh, Furitech demagnetizer that really snake oil accusations tend to get thrown around due to a lack of direct experience with that product? Almost always. That's right. because the net, when somebody says, oh, that's snake oil, my next question is, well, have you heard it? And yeah, how they, do you know? Right. And if they know? say no, the next thing out of my mouth is, well, you're an idiot. Okay. Because <laughs> you you can't you just can't say that. You know, you I mean you in my in my mind, you can't say that. If you can mm. if you tell me I tried product blah and I couldn't hear any difference, and I did not hear that effect or that change. You know, at that point, at least I can respect your opinion because, again, a lot of this stuff really, really depends and everybody gets really pissed about this. Hmm. But a lot of this really depends on your setup, your room. The the If, if you think of your hi-fi system, the software you play through it, it's r- your room, your system's interaction with its room, it's all a system. And so the more resolving that entire system is, Mm. the more you're going to hear these little changes. And again, if you're listening to a pair of, I don't know, $500, if if you're listening to a $1,500 set, you know, system with Mm. okay records with, you know, a basic turntable and a hundred dollar cartridge, it's not going to resolve enough detail to hear some of these things that are only offering a minute change. Mm. So in your world, yeah, in your world, none of those things make sense, you Mm. know, but, but again, if you told me you had a $2,000 hi-fi system and you wanted to buy a $2,000 power cord and you thought that was going to really change your system, I would advise you to do something else instead. You know, I would say, hey, mm. there's there's no two thousand dollar power cord on Earth 
that's going to move a system at your level that far, which which will lead you to ultimate disappointment. And then usually the only conclusion that person can draw is that wire doesn't make sense. Well, mm. no, but it's, it's, you know, because again, I think, I think the hardest thing for me with, with all the gear I've tried and all the things I've tried over the years, I truly have a hard time believing that the people that make a lot of the things that a lot of people label as snake oil, are that inherently evil? I, I just have a hard time believing that they get up every morning and go, okay, we put the wool over on them another day. I, I This is something that I, I think about a lot, actually, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, is an accusation of snake oil is not just one, it's not just an accusation of fraud um, against the, leveled against the manufacturer but it also implies that all reviewers that say that they hear a difference are lying or fooling themselves with psychoacoustics. I'll come back to psychoacoustics in a bit because I want to talk about that. But uh, these guys, people are lying or they're deceiving themselves. And every single customer who bought one and is convinced they hear a difference also is also an idiot. And for that to be true, I think that is an unbelievable stretch for, yes. for all of those things to be true, right? So it's not just about the manufacturer. It's about press and customers as well, right? You know, I, I have sat through countless cable demos at shows. It's actually, weirdly, this is one of my favorite things to do at shows is go and listen to a cable demo because cables are often the most controversial thing in audio. I think it's down to a lack of experience, actually, among, you know, among people that, want to say that they don't make a difference however i i tend to go to shows to hear the cable demos because i don't really do them at home but i want to keep abreast of what's going on so i go and listen i've heard time and time again these differences so it it becomes a bit tiring when people say oh that's (laughs) that's that snake oil therefore the the custom sorry the manufacturer is a fraud reviewers are liars customers are idiots It's, it's essentially the implication right right well, think about it, okay? Think about your own personal journey, mm-hmm. okay? Rewind your tape back to mm-hmm. when you first started listening. You know, mm-hmm. when you had a lot less experience and a lot less insight, and you were spending less time sitting in your chair really mm-hmm. listening critically, it, it, it's almost, I guess, I know this is completely unscientific, but it's kind of... The more you listen, the further you get into it, the further you get into it, the more nuance you hear. And yes. so it's about experience. Ask, for sure. Right, yeah. right. So, you know, it's it's hard for somebody who doesn't listen to this stuff on a daily, whether they're a reviewer or whether they're a very um, just a very passionate music listener. Um, mm. I mean, OK, here's a better example, maybe. Think about, you've got some friends that are musicians, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell me if you've had the same experience. If you have a friend over and he's a drummer, he is listening so critically for all the drum parts in the record. He He may completely miss a blistering guitar solo and he'll go, did you hear that little thing on that, you know? That that hi hat was a little off, you know, right? And the guitar guy's right. not listening to the drums and blah blah blah. 
But yeah. because they're so focused on what they do, they hear way more nuance in mm -hmm. what they're used to. And, and my experience, I mean, I think it's why people, some people really upgrade their systems and some people do not. The more time they have to listen, the more they get into it, mm. they either, whether it's budget dependent, whether it's time dependent, um, the more they crave, you know, you listen more, 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 more. It's, it's kind of like once you've had, you've made a big update to your system and then a year later, you you've you've gotten used to that so now you're going okay can i get more can i get more can i get more because because you love it you know and because what you're describing there is listening is a skill that you hone over time just like playing the piano right sure. or becoming a sommelier or whatever it's not something you just suddenly sit down and yes you do sit down and do it but it's the hours that count it's the time you invest, the years for many of us who invest in all of this, right? Sure. And it's the amount of hours per day. Here's another question for you, though, Jeff, right? What about you try a product and you don't hear a difference, but there is a measurable difference, whether it's done by John Atkinson or whoever, right? Is that snake oil? You know... Again, for me, I'm not a guy, I'm not a big measurements guy. So, mm. I mean, it's I, I'm trying to think of anything that I've heard that I'm trying to put this in a way that makes complete sense and doesn't piss everybody off. Mm. Um, okay, let's let's say single-ended triode amps, which mm. we which we know almost always measure poorly. Okay, but there's some things that because of the nature of the SET amp, mm -hmm. you know, if you're if you're listening to a solo vocalist on a single driver high efficiency speaker system and you're not asking it to make a big dynamic swing or, you know, this, that or the other thing, you know, that's a very compelling presentation, even though that thing. It's like, okay, we know it may not have the bass slam of a big solid state amplifier, but when you're mm. using that thing um, within its comfort zone or within its optimum zone, it does provide a unique experience. Can I play Led Zeppelin loud on an SET on a pair of Harbeths? No, I can't do that. And so at that point, all of those measurements totally make sense. Um, so sure, I, but I'm, but I'm talking about measurements that verify a manufacturer's claim. So for example, right, say a, um, a power cable, if the manufacturer claims that this somehow this cable minimizes the amount of noise that comes through the wall socket and into the system, right. And we can't, let's say you and I try that cable. We don't hear a difference, but then somebody goes off, goes off and measures it and sees that compared to a standard normal kettle cord, it does in fact reduce noise. Is that snake oil? For me, I guess I would say no, because if it's doing what it says it's doing, um, and again, the power cord thing, especially, I don't know if you've had this experience, but some components are more affected by a power cord than others. Agreed, yes. You know, and and... I'm trying to, I can't even remember for the life of me whose power cord it was. It wasn't one of the majors, but um, it was kind of an off-brand guy who makes cables mm -hmm. in his garage, guys, about 10 years ago. 
and mm. I plug this cable into my, at the time I had a Burmester 911 amplifier and I plugged it in and it just, the amp just sounded terrible. I mean, the amp sounded like a $500 class D amp from 10 years ago. And I, I actually thought something was wrong that the amplifier had failed. And mm. because I had plugged the cable in, turned it on, went to lunch, pressed repeat, came back and I went, wow, everything sounds terrible. And came back and just popped the cord out, went back to what I was using and it was all fine. So then a series of investigation, I tried it on a few other things, same effect. Um, but but okay, so, so, so if, a if a manufacturer says, this will improve the sound of your system and you, and you try it and it makes the system sound worse, is that snake oil? It's not snake oil. It's just, no, I mean, to it? me, it's just, to me, that's just bad engineering. I mean, I'm, because sure. I'm shocked that anybody who's making cable wouldn't plug it into a number of different things to kind of verify their results. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I would be shocked. So I think from what you're saying, and I, I would agree with you if, if this is what you're saying, that because of the very serious, nature of a snake oil accusation it really does deserve that extra level of, of scrutiny and that scrutiny starts with the accuser having direct experience with the product yes i mean i think this is an absolute fundamental it really i mean to say that i'm irritated by this is an understatement it irritates me to see i guess internet commenters lob the word snake oil around so casually as if it doesn't matter that I say this. And especially when they've had zero experience with that product. But isn't and, it easier to stir up controversy and say, you know, F you than it is to give me an intelligent response? I actually don't think that what people, when people throw the word snake oil around, I actually don't think they really, they don't, believe it doesn't make a difference it's their perception of value that yes. they are expressing right so because usually usually i mean would you agree with this in your experience out on the internet the more expensive a product is the more it is likely to be labeled a snake oil yes because everybody's mad about stuff they can't afford a perfect parallel for me for this to the cable mm -hmm. thing you know i'm a car guy my readers know i'm a car guy Yes. One of the things that car guys like to argue about forever, it's just like cable arguments on, on our, mm. in our world. They like to argue about tires, okay? Because uh -huh. everybody thinks they're a Formula One driver, and I can assure you they aren't, okay? Right. So these guys will put a $1,500 set of Michelin Cup 2 Pilots on their BMW because – Car and driver tested these tires and on a racetrack under ideal conditions with the Stig driving the car, they got 0.1 seconds additional around a racetrack. Mm -hmm. But when you're driving to Costco to get toilet paper, um, you know, uh, a $400 set of tires from Discount Tire really works just as well. And, you know, I tried it. I did it with a car once and I said, you know what? I'm not putting those expensive Michelins on. I'm not going to cave in to all the peer pressure. I'm just going to go get some very inexpensive tires. And I got to tell you, the Delta was not that much. 
And certainly Hmm. at my level of driving ability and where I was driving the car, I saved 800 bucks, more money to buy records, you know? Um, So, and that's where I think this goes, you know, you, you, you can't get all cranky pants about something that doesn't apply. So is, is it valid to make the snake oil call? You know, and again, I, I don't think so. I, I just think there's a lot of, and again, I think a lot of people, and I don't mean this in a mean-spirited way at all, I think a lot of people misuse different and better. Right, and that's I agree. Where the, that's where the grumpiness comes in. You know, well, that's... I think it's, well, I think it's also the, um, the you know, the, the, the perception of poor value. Because poor value is not snake oil. Because as we as we've said, snake oil is price independent, and if there is even let's say there's a product that comes out, I don't care what it is, it makes a 0.5 percent difference. Let's imagine we could quantify it subjectively, right? 0.5 percent, and it costs ten grand, right? Now, that's not snake oil in my book. For many people, it will be, but I don't think it is. Because it still makes a difference. The manufacturer says it makes a difference. We verify it as making a 0.5% difference in the abstract. 10 grand is a lot of money. But as we, we, you know, as we discussed earlier on, it depends upon your relationship to money. As oh, to how totally. It, totally. Right? Because if you've, if you've got a million dollar system and yep. you've got a wall full of first stamper this, first stamper that, whatever... You've got $2 million invested in music. If $10,000 will get you another little, a couple molecules closer to you, that's nothing. Right. Okay. And, and, and if you, and if you're that mental about it, you're going to be, wow, this is, this is amazing. I have to have this. And Mm. so, but if you're again, and, and I think what, what really causes a lot of controversy in our world of audio enthusiasts is that people don't understand you're listening to whatever it is you can afford, whatever you can make sense for you. And that's totally okay. It doesn't matter because we're not, we're not, you and I aren't telling people you need to buy this. You need to get this. This is the best. It's Mm. we're just saying, Hey, I heard a difference, you know, Dr. Seuss said, you, you know, you've got brains in your head and shoes on your feet. So check it out. Go listen to it. You may even hear a bigger difference than you or I did. You know, someone else might hear an even bigger thing. So mm. it's it's not, um, it, it's really tough to make that call and, and say something is just out and out, you know, oh, this is just complete hooey and it doesn't it doesn't do anything i mean there's been a couple things i mean there's only been a couple products Mm. i mean the you know those things that look like a coat rack you know um i've tried those a couple times i've never heard one ounce of difference but i know people that swear about them Mm. you know the last the last time we had this conversation jeff or something like it i got an email from somebody accusing me accusing us of looking down or belittling those who can't afford as you know the, the gear that we can afford. And that is absolutely not what I'm trying to say or you're trying to say here. It's just that if you can't if you can't afford a 20 grand power cable, I can't. 
I, I doubt that you can, no. Jeff. No, I can't. Like, I, I mean, and I, I can't, and I wouldn't want to either. Even if it, well, I guess if it doubled the uh, the the sound quality of my system, I might take an interest. But there you are. You see, I'm making a value judgment based upon price and what it will do for me. Now, right. just just because I can't afford that doesn't make me some kind of poor, pathetic person. So I'm not. Oh, not at all. You're, not you, are, you are where you are in your journey. Do you hear? Right. Do you, did you like the PS Audio Sprout? I've not heard it. Oh, okay. I mean, that's one of my favorite products. They're 500, right. five or 600 bucks. That's a killer product. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and, mm. you know, we've reviewed budget gear, entry-level gear, inexpensive gear, whatever you want to call it. So you don't get mad. Um, we've done that since day one. I always get really excited about anything that's four, five, six, eight hundred dollars a box that delivers some serious performance so people can get into the game. I didn't get into this 40 years ago with the system I have today. It's been brick by brick by brick. And again, mm. you know, it there there's no there's no shame, there's no disrespect in any of that. You, no, you no, do it. You do what makes sense for you. That's that's all you can do. I mean, I'm I'm not getting irritated by people, obviously, who have modest systems. I, I, I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less of what you have, right? But what does irritate me is people who look up the ladder, see something really expensive, think that it probably doesn't make, make very much of a difference or won't to them, and therefore just go, that's snake oil, because that is lazy thinking. Well, and and you know what? Nobody's nobody's looking to them to make purchase decisions anyway. You know. Sure, but I just um, I guess what I'm trying, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying uh, to make the distinction, Jeff, between you know what you know what we're talking about here. I, I don't care what level you're at. I just care about your attitude towards things that you can't, never would afford, or probably don't want, or just just making just throwing out a, a, basically an accusation of fraud so lightly. I just, I just find that really, like I said, lazy and very frustrating. Well, um, and it's, it's like arguing about politics. It's about arguing about any of those things. We're probably never going to change their minds. Sure, but I just and, thought we would, we would discuss this today because I, I really wanted to. No, kind of it's, it's good. Hash it's it out, good. You know? Oh, and you know, and again, I mean, it's, it's like about eight years ago the kind people at Bang & Olufsen gave me an Aston Martin DBS for a week to drive mm -hmm. around to evaluate the hi-fi system in it. And it was, it was the car that uh, Daniel Craig drove in Skyfall, right? Oh, I think I remember you having this. Yeah, okay, yes. right. Yeah, and the sticker yeah. on that car was almost $400,000. Jeff, will... I'll stop you there. That's snake oil, mate. I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go, right? snake oil. Right, and no way am I spending that kind of money. It can't be any. It can't be that much better than my is. little Ford Fiesta. No, right? it really is. No, it really is. And you know, but is. but the problem was, after living with that car for a week, I was ruined for cars for about three <laughs> years. After that, I didn't want to drive anything because <laughs> that thing was so awesome. I mean, at the time I was driving a Hyundai and I was glad I was because it, it just, I just went, you know what? If I can't have this, everything else is just. And so I suspect that there's a lot of people that, 
you know, and a couple of years later, I had a friend want to hand me the keys to his Ferrari F50. And I said, you know, I don't even want to drive it because it's going to mess me up for cars for two years again. And so maybe, maybe, maybe at the back of their heads, some people are just thinking, you know what? I don't want to have, I mean, I'm somebody, I'm an experienced junkie, you know? Um, so it's, it's, you, you may not want to have the experience just because you go, you know, man, I just don't want to have my perception altered that much. And I know I can't have it. And then it drives you to madness. So that's a very, um, that's a very, very good point. Actually, people tend to kind of shut the door on the possibility of listening because they know that if they do their anal retentiveness or their desire or yeah, it's their desire to does them in. Yeah, it does them in, right? So they kind of they think, well, if if I don't listen to a two thousand dollars speaker cable and I pretend and I protest that it makes zero difference, then I'm not on the hook for that purchase, right? Right. This is a very very important point here. I, I actually I didn't have this in my notes, Jeff. So thank you for bringing that oh, up. Oh no problem. But I mean, but that's the good. But that, but that's okay. You know, I mean, it it you know, and if you're not okay, I have a friend from college that, oh, 10 years ago, we talked, he loves to fish, okay? Mm. And he said all he really ever wanted in life was this this one carbon fiber. It was, it was about a $4,000 fishing rod. Wow, okay. And, and, and I said, so you're not into cars, you're not into cameras, you're not into watches, you're not into stereos. He's like, no, none of that stuff. He goes, I just like to fish. And I said, you know, you're, you've got it so easy. I mean, I was at the car dealer getting some headlight bulbs and this cute little girl that was about four years old was dancing around the car showroom floor. And I said to her dad, I said, she's so lucky. She's not thinking about brake pads and shocks and tires and bushings and exhaust systems and chips and all of that stuff. And sometimes, you know, I think sometimes too, the person that has an entry level to modest system or wherever they at mm. is, is sometimes a lot happier you know, and it, it just depends on how much of this you let get the best of you or not. Right. So would you agree then? Okay, let's 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 float this idea then that when we hear accusations of snake oil, it actually says more about the accuser than the accused. Yeah, I think so. It, it's it's because usually when I when I hear that and again, whether it's you name the 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 pursuit usually mm. that to me is always an indication of closed mindedness and mm. and in my limited experiences in this world the closed minded types usually tend to be crabbier than the ones that aren't i would agree that's, with that that's yes. my limited yeah. experience i mean my experience as well yeah i mean yeah. i can tell you for days how awesome that aston martin was i can tell you why that car is worth Every single penny asked for it, but I'm never going to get to have one. And that doesn't <laughs> make it, but that doesn't make it less awesome. Right. Because right. I can't have it. Right. You just have to make the value judgment and you go, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Right? It's as simple as that. But it's, and, it's, it's but you're not getting angry that you can't have it. I no, mean, yeah, not at all. And I see it every, every month. But. Yeah, I mean, every now and then I'll see somebody driving one, and I go, you know, good for you. You know, mm. um, good for you. And so it's it is what it is. 
And and like the nice gentleman from Aston Martin North America said, he goes, well, mate, he goes, think pre-owned. <laughs> right. So, and, and oh. like, and like, um, and like Harry Westfeld from VPI called me up one day. He said he was so mad because Harry actually has two Aston Martins. I don't know if he still has them. Yeah. And he's a car guy. And he called me up and he goes, do you know how much a gas cap costs for an Aston Martin? And I said, I don't know, a thousand bucks. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I left my gas cap on the pump and came home and realized I lost. He goes, they want a thousand dollars for, for, a you know, snake oil. I don't know. You know. All right. So let me, let's, let's, let's bring this back onto track for a moment. I'm sorry to be the, yes. uh, oh no, the, that's the, okay. The, I can the, always crabby chairman of this meeting. No, I can <laughs> always get distracted. So let's go. Okay. Okay. So it's here's another statement, oil. another okay. statement. And I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree, right? Okay. This is number, I think it's number four. So for a product to qualify as snake oil, it must make zero difference. Yeah, I would say yeah. If it if it if it tr- if it truly does make zero difference, right? So because I, I always think of like, well, imagine the opposite is the case. So imagine, well, people say, oh, well, no, it, it, it's only if it makes a small difference. But then, how much is too little, and who decides? So it has to be zero difference because anything else is too arbitrary. Well, and again, I think it goes back to. Um... I've always said that there are those with canine hearing that, mm. you know, hear these little bits of minutia that I can't. And well, hey, here's another one. Think about this. Mm. Do you by chance, mm. I don't know if I've asked you this before. Do you have perfect pitch? I've got no, no, I don't. I don't either. But I've talked to people. Uh, one man that's an example of this, Bob Stewart. Bob mm. Stewart has perfect pitch, or at least he claims to. And he said the reason he can't listen to analog, because he's really down on analog. Um, He said, I listen to almost all classical music. And he said, when I listen to a violin or a piano via analog, he said, I don't care how good the turntable is. He said, I still hear that tiny little bit of variation in tone that playing a record has. And he said, for me, that drives me crazy. So, right. so so he would be very good at hearing the minutiae, right? So he would call, probably, I'm going to assume here and stick my neck out, I'm going to guess that Bob Stewart would call a $20,000 um, Koetsu or whatever cartridge snake oil because it would still drive him crazy. But that doesn't fit the definition, though, because I'm trying, what I'm trying to but get to But that's what here, I'm Jeff, saying. There's a know, definition, that's... right? It's zero difference. But again, to who and in what context? Right, but it, when Bob is saying that that you know, even if it's faulty, it's there's still a difference. It doesn't have to be be a positive difference, as we've said before, right? It just has to be there. Just has to be a delta, basically. If there's well, zero delta, snake oil. If there's a delta, then not. That would be if we were dealing with rational human beings. But a lot of times, people just throw that out as a this is my point. Response. Yeah, it's they a do. response. They, Exactly that. It's an emotional knee-jerk response. That's too expensive. It makes a tiny amount of difference, right? Well, that's not snake oil in my book. It must make zero difference, right? At any price. 
Because I, I was really, you know, I mean, you saw me put this up on Facebook this afternoon, asking people to define snake oil without giving examples. Also, because I didn't want people to besmirch the reputation of manufacturers. But, but it's actually very, very hard to define the term snake oil in a very rational way. I think I've done it. I mean, do you want, do you want to hear my definition, Jeff? Do you want Hit me. To... Let's hear right, it. Right, okay. So, I, I mean, you can tell me if you disagree, because there are, there are very specific components of this. And so I'll, I'll I'll read the definition, and then maybe I'll just pick it apart just so you know what how I got there, right? Okay, okay. So I have written I've written it down, so I'll read it. So it's a product or service, irrespective irrespective of price, whose manufacturer promoted benefits slash claims fail to stand up to listening tests and measurement tests. I think that's reasonable. Now, the reason I say, well, we've already established that price is not a factor, right? Um, the reason I've said listening test and measurement test is because you can measure something and there'd be no difference, right? But people would hear a difference. Now, that opens the door to um, accusations of placebo effect and things like that. I'll come to that in a moment. But I really think the fundamental here is the listening test, right? Because I think sometimes we could hear something and it not be I mean, not be possible to measure it or we're measuring the wrong thing. Now, this is a philosophical point of view that not everybody's going to agree with, and I can definitely hear tables being thumped around the uh -huh. world of listeners. You know how people like to get really crabby about this, but I think, you know, if there's no measured difference and we hear a difference, then obviously we're, we're measuring the wrong thing. Well, well this, or we don't, or we yeah. don't have yeah. instruments capable of measuring what we're hearing. Right. Yes. Exactly. So it's either a, a, a fault with our intent or a, a fault with the, not a fault, but a a lack of sensitivity with our measuring here. Sorry, I'm just closing my door. It's getting cold outside. Um, but I think the the listening is really important here. But I just want to I want to do I do want to talk about placebo effect because this is kind of something that always comes up and you i mean you and i pr probably get this quite a lot right so i don't really do this very often i don't really review, review cables very often yeah neither do i right or especially digital cables but if you talk i don't tell me like if you talk about a streamer jeff like a digital streamer do you get people saying or i don't know whether you you know you see this in comments or in emails but people going this can't possibly make a difference it's only ones and zeros if you're hearing a difference it must be psychoacoustics do you get that? Because I get that a lot. Well, sure, and and you know, and I'll I've I've had enough people. Um, again, I'm not I am not an engineer. I'm not well versed enough on that to mm. to to deliver a statement that will make the techie people really happy. I'm not really worried about the tech here. It's just more about the reader response to yeah. your claims, uh, right? We don't get too much of that, but but a little bit. I mean, you do get the people that say, you know, there's no difference between this, that, and the other thing. I mean, there's a mm. there was a, a an amplifier I was reviewing years ago. And mm. you know, it was a basic, it was a very good product. It was a very good product for what the price was, but you know it wasn't a big past labs monoblock. It wasn't a big Burmester. It wasn't a big, I mean, insert your favorite really, really high end amplifier here. Mm -hmm. And the, the manufacturer was mad 
because we didn't say this was the best amplifier in the world and that amplifiers didn't make a difference. And he Mm. said, oh, you just like all that expensive stuff. And I said, well, okay. I had a friend over that's not a hi-fi guy at all. And Mm -hmm. when he walked in the room, the first thing he said, he said, dude, what happened to your system? He goes, it sounds like crap. And, and, you know, I mean, this is somebody that had no vested interest in any of this. Mm. And so then, you know, I plugged my 911 back in and he goes, yeah, that's what it sounds like. He goes, yeah, now it sounds right. And, you know, and I, and I told him what happened and he said, people really argue about that crap. And I said, oh dude, all the time, you know, but but I guess I'm talking, Jeff, I'm talking about people here who say, well, okay. You know, you, you've you've discovered this, Jeff. You've you've heard that I don't know that CD player as a digital transport versus that CD player as a digital transport, and you've said A is better than B. Well, I think that what you're hearing is the result of psychoacoustics or placebo effect, right? Now, the thing is, is that you can't have it both ways. If you're that kind of reader slash viewer, because I do videos about this, if you're that kind of person who thinks that, then surely that invalidates every review what i'm saying is is that you know if it, i'll talk about me right if i review this digital transport versus this digital transport and i say one is better than the other for these reasons people come out of the woodwork and go nah john there's no difference and if you're hearing it it's placebo but why is it only placebo for cd transports why why is it? Why are they not emailing me when I'm talking about amplifiers, saying that's placebo? Why are they not emailing me when I'm talking about loudspeakers and I'm, you know, I say, you know, say speaker A is better than speaker B? Why are they not telling me that's placebo? You, I mean, basically, if you're saying that there's a placebo effect in my subjective review between, say, two digital transports, then there must be a placebo effect for all of my listening. You can't just say, well, the placebo effect only applies to digital transports and cables and nothing else, because who gets to decide that? You don't get to decide that. Like, how do we know when the placebo effect is, is this in is effect? Like that, this is like that scene at the end of Spinal Tap where he goes, well, how do you know where the end is? And when you get there, does it just keep <laughs> going or what? You know, it's kind of like that. You're, 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 it you're, is, right. Like, how do you know? You're David St. Hubbins, you know, and I'm Nigel, you know, it's (laughs) Nigel's job to be confused. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, you know what it is. You're never going to make them all happy. Okay. No, but I'm I'm not trying, I'm not trying to make anybody happy. I'm trying to pick apart the, the logic of what they're saying. There is no logic to that. Right. I know. I, well, do, do people know that? I mean, if they say, well, there's a placebo effect, um, happening to you, John, when you, you know, you try that power conditioner. And I go, well, where were you when I was talking about the Klipsch Forte 3 being better than whatever speaker? Because that, then that means that all speakers sound the same and all amps sound the same, which we know is not true. So it, it's not logically possible. Well, gosh, what's beeping like crazy? Um, you know, <laughs> it's, you. it's, 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 um, I, I don't know. I mean, I've dealt with a handful of those over the years and you know, there's just not as a friend of mine, that's a business consultant says, then they're not your customer, you know, because 
Right. But they're important. I guess they're important to me, Jeff, because these are the people that usually lob the the term snake oil around. They go, "Well, that you know, you're telling us that power cables make a difference, John. That's just snake oil." Well, yeah, I am. And then they go, "Well, it's placebo effect." And then we're back to what I've just said, right? And don't buy a freaking power cord. Save your money. I, I know that, but I'm just. I guess I'm just verbalizing my the thoughts that have been knocking around my head, dude. I mean, I see this. I see this in every, the camera guys are like this. The car guys are like this. The motorcycle mm. guys are like this. They're all like this. And there's always that group of cranky pants people that that's the, that's all they've got. And sure. And I, but I'm, I'm trying to point out that it's completely illogical. It is I illogical. I, I agree it's with totally you. Illogical, right. Yeah. Right. If it's, placebo effect exists, when does it, when, you know, you can't say it exists here and not here. That's just insane. But again, it's way more. I mean, you're British. One of mm. my favorite things that British people always say is they say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. And, <laughs> and, it, and I love that. I mean, it, it, it cracks me up because and, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, because I mean, I have a lot of Brit friends. Tell me if I'm wrong. You guys as a people tend to not like direct confrontation as much as us kooky big mouth americans do Would that's true that? like it's saying that i wouldn't do it that way means you're a fucking idiot what are you doing right you know or <laughs> dinner dinner was dinner was quite good which means it's really awful but you're being polite <laughs> you know yes. that's one of my favorites okay because yeah. my, my my ex-wife's mother was a terrible cook and I was at dinner with the family and her mom said, how's dinner? And I said, quite good. And everybody thought I was awesome. And it's secretly to myself, I, I knew what I was doing. So, mm. um, so it's always easier to say, I wouldn't do it that way. than it is, well, okay, then, well, what would you do? What would make it better? What would make this real for you? And again, every, every, again, in my limited experience, in my limited amount of data points, everyone that I have ever met that's played that card mm. either A, hasn't heard the thing in question, can't mm. afford the thing in question, mm -hmm. or just isn't really far enough into this to make a decision that would make sense. I mean, I could tell you all day long about how to go fast in turn three at Monaco, but I'm not, a, I'm not an F1 driver. My opinion mm. doesn't mean anything in that context. So Yeah, but, but when you're you dealing know, with the, the world of YouTube comments, Jeff, you get to see pretty quickly how many how people, stupid would, people are. No, well, I wouldn't say that because I'm too British to say that. Yeah. But, but you would get a lot of people telling you how to make that turn in Monaco. And then they would swear blind they know how to do it. And they show could drive me, better than anybody else. Show me the else, trophies right? then. Show me the freaking trophies then. Right. I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get to here is that I I'm fascinated in consumer behavior or fascinated by it. Oh, me behavior. too. Trust right? me. So, Trust so me. I'm I'm also very interested in why people respond in the way they do to certain things. Now, a lot of it is absolutely maddening, but one thing I can never do is get mad, right? Because 
it's it's in my job description, so to speak. Because then you turn green and become nine feet tall, then or well, I mean, it's just you're, it's not a good look, right? When right. you're the publisher, when you're the guy right. putting the stuff Agreed. out there, if Agreed. you get cranky pants with your audience, it's never a good look. As much as you would like to tell them to do one, yes, you just can't. You just can't. So this is why I like to dis- instead deconstruct the logic of what they're saying, because it allows me to make peace with. I got to say this with you know certain degrees of idiocy. Well, you know what it is. It's, we don't even have to make that judgment call. Um, the the great a great the only psychologist joke I know is, you know, how many psychologists does it take to change the light bulb? Only one, provided the light bulb truly wants to be changed. And so, <laughs> I look at people like that as just light bulbs that don't want to be changed. Because for me. My favorite part of this job that we have is discovering new things, is being surprised, is walking into the room, looking. How many times do you get people on the internet, they see a picture of a room and they go, well, that can't sound any good. You know, walking in that room that I think, oh, this is going to sound awful. Or I go, oh, these are this kind of speaker or this kind of whatever. This is going to sound like crap. And it sounds really good. And you go, wow, cool. I, I experienced something new. I learned something new today, you know? So, I mean, but, but it, I would, I, w- I don't know. I would say this. Would you agree with this, right? That proffering an opinion on the sound of something, whether it be a room, an amp, a, a speaker, a power cable or whatever, proffering an opinion on it when you've not heard it is idiotic. Well, it's, it's, it's not even, again, I won't even make that valid judgment. It's or that value judgment. It's just invalid. Okay, that that mm. information is invalid to me. Again, if you say, hey, I tried that XYZ power cord and I couldn't hear a difference. Okay, here's what here's the context of what I here's the system I used it in. Um, mm. Here's what the rest of my stuff is. Well, okay, then that to me, if I even if I don't agree with that person, for me, that's a valid, a valid opinion because they actually yes. they did the work and they can yes. give the context. Exactly that they, they did the work. They they can tell you exactly how the process, the context. Right. It's just yeah. the people that go that's snake oil, that can't possibly make any difference. That's definitely snake oil, and I I, I I'm sorry, I do think that's a bit idiotic. I yeah, know that I, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's it's again, it's it's so much. You know what I've heard from a lot of people over the years that have li- come over to my house and listen to hi-fi mm. people that, that, you know, aren't hi-fi people. And, and many people have become hi-fi people as a result of coming over to my house over the years. But a lot of times what people will say is, you know, that really sounds amazing, but you know, I don't have enough hours in my day to justify me spending that kind of money on something like that. Mm. And now again, that to me is a perfectly valid, you know, that's a, that's a perfectly, it's like, okay, I would never, I would never buy an expensive bicycle because I wouldn't ever spend enough hours in the day. However, you know, our industry attracts a number of people that are cyclists and Mm -hmm. I had a friend let me ride a $25,000 bicycle once mm-hmm. and because I just wanted the experience. And I just said, you know, 
I'm not enough of a cyclist to appreciate this, but right. I can definitely, you know, this feels way different than my 20 year old Bianchi does, you know? Right. So, you know, but, but again, I don't know. I'm, I'm an, like I said, I'm an experienced junkie. Um, so you name it. I mean, the, the people that I think that I know that buy $600 bottles of wine, I think they're crazy. You know, I think they're nuts. I would never pay $600 for something that I'm essentially going to rent for about 18 hours. But that's me, you know, right. But that doesn't mean that they're idiots because they really enjoy that. And that's how they choose to do what they do. But you would be an idiot for poo-pooing their decision. But if I just said, oh, that $600 bottle of wine, that's bullshit. Um, no, it's not. That's, yeah, that's an idiotic thing to say. It's right. like me saying, to, like, I mean, for example, so I think about my own journey with, say, cameras, right? Because I've, I've kind of gotten into cameras since I started doing video. And a couple of years ago, the idea of me spending 500 euros on a camera was, oh, that was, that was going to be a bit of a stretch for me. But this year I spent you know, three grand on a camera. I won't say I didn't, I thought nothing of it, but it was a big deal, but I did it and I can definitely see the value because I, my understanding of what, you know, better cameras and lenses can do has progressed. You've got and more seat time. So you've got more right, experience, yes. your knowledge and base more direct experience. Yes, exactly. More go. direct experience, more play time with these things. Watching a ton of YouTube videos about cameras. I've learned loads. And the great sure. thing about YouTube and cameras is they, they fit together hand in glove. Yes, it's great. But so, you know, my value perception of cameras has changed over the last couple of years. Whereas on the other hand, like to stick with the visual domain, my value perception of projectors has not changed. I use a $500 LG short throw, right? That's that's good, good enough, right? But I would never, ever look at somebody with a 20 grand projector and go, that's bullshit, that's snake oil. Right. I never do that because well, that's just, I've got to say, it's idiotic. And if somebody wants to say like, oh, my H, this, my HDMI, here, here's a good one. My HDMI cable, it costs $500 and I think it makes a difference. Again, I'm not going to go that snake oil because obviously you've done the work and you've gone through the journey to get to that point. You didn't just suddenly arrive with a 20 grand projector and a $500 HDMI cable. You more than likely you would have gone through a process, right? Well, and let's just say for one brief second, it is all snake oil and it is all crazy. Okay. Okay. But let mm -hmm. me get existential on you for a second. Sure. But, but <laughs> even if it, it is, even if it is, it's really not my place to say that. You know, it's that's right. What did what did um Shell Crow say? If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And so, you know, that's, I guess that's my parting thought with all of it. Um, it's it, again, I, I, every time I peel the onion back on the snake oil people, I find out that they're equally crabby in every aspect of their life. Sure. But what I wanted to do today, and I, I hope I've done it. I know I've rambled and gone off in different directions, but what I really wanted to do was to really point out that their accusations of snake oil are actually nothing to do with the gear. And it's about their own psychology and their own, you know, psychology. They're all just going to say we're both wrong. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> of course, yeah. Here's, I'll leave, let's, 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 let's end it with this thought, right? Because I did okay. this a few, I think last year, you might remember it, you might not. I asked on Facebook, can anybody point, okay, let me, let me rewind a minute, sorry. 
People like to say that one of the great things about doing measurements on audio gear is that it keeps the industry honest and it, it keeps snake oil products at bay. So, okay, all right. I thought, well, all right, fair enough. That seems to be a fairly logical, logical thing to say, quite reasonable, can't really fault it. But let's, let's, but let's see if there are any examples of that. So I asked on Facebook of like two and a, two and a half thousand people, can you give me an example of where measurements have outed a product as snake oil? And I was pretty, I mean, you've seen me on Facebook, Jeff, you know, right, that I, sure. you know, anything off topic, I delete. I'm like, no, delete. It needs to be. I said, like, I want, oh, so in this, in this thread, I wanted to see written proof. So proof with, you know, measurements. So that means graphs and charts and interpretations, of those graphs and charts and the product named. Do you know how many products I, that we ended up with at the end? I'm thinking that was a pretty small number, maybe even zero. Yeah, I think there was one actually. Yeah. There was one I was like, yeah, that looks pretty convincing. I can't remember what it was. So again, I think this idea that measurements save us from snake oil is a bit of a fallacy. I know it's, seen, it's, it's a nice thing to say and it, it feels good, doesn't it? But it's not true. And if I, I would, you know, if people are listening to this and they have a link to proof that a certain product is snake oil, please email me. I'm, I'm happy to look at it, but I really don't think there are more than 10 examples out there in the world. I just, I just don't see it. Yeah. I, well, and again, guess what? You know, there's um, years and years and years ago, mm. Macintosh used to do, they'd go to all the hi-fi dealers with all their gear and they do, they would do um, amplifier clinics where mm -hmm. they would take your amplifier Macintosh or not, put it up on a bench, put a distortion analyzer on it, all that other stuff. Once Hi-Fi magazines started making measurements, mm -hmm. which is what, maybe 40 years ago, maybe a little longer. Yeah. Once they started making measurements, all the manufacturers got smart enough to realize that if they made, if they built a hundred watt per channel amplifier that measured 98 watts a channel, that they were all going to be crucified versus <laughs> versus right. making a 75 watt per channel amplifier that actually produced 88 watts a channel mm. and all of that dynamic change so to me i mean again every you you've talked to a number of manufacturers yourself over the years every every manufacturer i have ever talked to has told me the same thing they've said mm. measurements for us are a place to start you know, mm -hmm. we, we tend to find, we, we tend to get something to a certain point with measurements and then we fine tune from there. And they've yes. all fine, fine tune through listing, right? Right. And they've also told me that measurements in a production environment help them keep products consistent from sample to sample. Yeah. Or measurements help you know, hey, maybe we got a batch of bad transistors or bad capacitors, mm -hmm. you know, and measurements help you find that. But I mean, again, for me, making measurements um, as as being the be all and end all. And I and I think that's more, again, that's probably based upon my limited electronics knowledge. It appears to me 
that measurements are probably a little more helpful in the prototyping stage for speaker guys than it is for amplifier guys. Well, a couple of manufacturers have both said to me that you know measurements will tell them if they've made a mistake, but right. they won't be right. they won't be a predictor of sound quality. But here's here's the other thing to think about with that, right? Is that you know none of us, I mean, not even the measurement guys, I don't think, buy gear on the measurements alone. They'll no. use the measurement to guide their listening, right? To kind of go, well, okay, that measures well. I'm going to go off and listen to it. I'm going to you know buy one or whatever and listen to it and then send it back if I don't like it. But they're going to listen to make the final call. So if you're going to listen to make the final call, why do you need the measurement in the first place? <laughs> it's just something to think about. I don't no, know. I, yeah, I mean, this is this is a chicken and egg thing that. Right. I mean, because I'm not. Again, I'm not bad. This is. I've got to be very clear, again. I've got to be very clear about what I'm not saying here. I'm not bashing measurements. I do think they have their place, especially for manufacturers who want to make sure that their product, their shipping, is not dangerous. Is not going to electrocute anybody, um, and also that their specs are pretty much on target. I know there is one, I'm not going to name them, one loudspeaker company that likes to tout its high efficiency loudspeakers. And I've seen a couple of measurements that John Atkinson have done recently of two models. And Yeah, the, yeah, the, I remember seeing that too. I don't even remember which manufacturer it was, but it turned I out do. their speakers weren't quite as, as right. sensitive as they claimed. Yes, the manufacturer was overrating the sensitivity basically on these two models. So right. I guess, you know, like that, those things do keep manufacturers honest. Yes. Overrating well, but specs. Again, absolutely. It goes, again, and this will, this will really anger people. Um, <laughs> you know, how do you know? I mean, I can, I can go to Snap-on tools and buy $50,000 worth of Snap-on tools from mm. the tool guy. That doesn't mean I can use those same tools and rebuild a Porsche 911 engine correctly. Okay, mm -hmm. so my my problem with the measurements, with the measurement people, is that I still think, and I've I've been I've been crucified for this one. It's one thing to make measurements as a hobbyist or as an educated amateur. It's mm -hmm. another thing to make measurements as a tech as an engineer, as a scientist who builds gear every single day. And right. that's the one, that's the one that I'll hang my hat on because I can, you and I can both go out and go buy an audio precision analyzer. Right. For yes, six grand. Does yes. that mean, and it's pretty menu driven. So yep. you and I could start making measurements tomorrow. But do yep. we really need, do we really know what to measure? Do we really know how to measure? And do we really know how to interpret the data and put it Which that is also, and this is, the, this, this is the ironic thing about that last part, Jeff, is that you, the interpretation by definition implies subjectivity, right? You're interpreting the measurements. What do these measurements mean? You know, that's a subjective analysis. So there's... There's always the subject. The subjective always gets you in the end. It it will always be there. But anyway, like <laughs> this is this has kind of gone uh, a little bit off track again. We're going off. Should track. We, we look? I was actually I wanted to kind of get to a. I wanted to actually talk to you today about um, JBL L100 Classic, which I've been listening to to for the last few days. Um, Aren't they great speakers? 
They're really not what I expected, actually, because I thought they were going to be what I call a fat and happy kind of speaker. You know, like that kind of warm, fat, chunky, vintage sound. But, no. But they're, they're absolutely not like that at all. Not at all. They're actually, I guess, to use a lazy term, talking about lazy thinking, I'm about to impart some lazy thinking here. I would call them much more of a hi-fi sounding speaker than I expected them to be. Oh, yeah. You, they're really good. Right? And dude, I, I mean, I've got a vintage pair as well. So it's, um, I mean, of everybody that reviewed that speaker, I'm going to toot my horn and say I'm the only one in the audience that actually compared it to a perfectly the good original. functioning vintage original pair. Right, right. And, and, and I, mean, I, you know, I really love the L100. It, it, it is mm. one of my, you know, is it the last word in resolution? No. Is it the last word in imaging? No. But are those fun speakers to listen to music on? Uh-huh. But what's, I think, what's really interesting about this, and, and the re, I guess I kind of slapped my forehead metaphorically and went, doh, of course they're going to sound more like a hi-fi speaker because they they have all of the Harman research team behind them now. Sure. Right? So, the, so those guys out in Northridge, California. And I, I did spend, I don't know whether you've seen this, there's a great, really good video about measurements, about measuring speakers. Um, it's, a, it's a lecture conducted by Floyd Tool. It's really interesting. He talks about, um, you know, the he talks about psychoacoustics and how at Harman they combated, you know, because he was basically saying at Harman before he worked for them they would just do sighted listening tests, right? And he managed to sh convince them or to show them with empirical evidence that sighted tests are inherently biased when judging speaker A versus B in their lab in their listening test, right? So what? The first thing he said they did was, well, we don't listen in stereo. We listen in mono. So if we're going to listen to a speaker right. and it's always mono and they constructed this, this machine that would basically behind a curtain, move actually, one speaker yeah, out. Right? I went there. I went there right. and I listened okay. to him and I, I've actually had that demo in person. Right. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. You know, you know what's great about that? I'm interrupting. I'm sorry. You know what was really great about that? Michael Fremer and I were both there at that uh -huh. particular thing. And he was kind of going on and on about, um, you know, how, you know, reviewers and subjectivity and all this. And yes. both, both Michael and I, it was so funny because we really, really threw him for a loop because he and I, between the two of us, guessed like every single speaker you know, Michael would go, yeah, that's a B&W. Yes, it is. And then you do another one. I go, oh, that's a Martin Logan. Yeah. And, and, and we, and we both said to him, we're like, buddy, we listen to speakers 18 hours a day. Duh. Right. You know, it's, it's, um, so that was kind of interesting. Bang and Olson does that too, where they have their people go in a room and everything's mm. behind a curtain. And I remember visiting them and they said, well, is this a big speaker or a small speaker. And everybody thought it was a big speaker. And I said, oh, it's a small speaker. And he goes, wow, you're right. And, and I said, well, you know, give me a little credit here. I listen to music 18 hours a day. Yeah, experience matters. It does. It does. So back, I'm sorry. I, I took No, your, no, it, it's totally you know, fine. Was that, no, that's a good story. No, what I was going to go on to say was that he, he talks about how at the Harman Lab, they measure speakers. And basically, he concluded and he managed to show that essentially a flat frequency response 
was the ideal frequency response, right? But the interesting thing was, and I think I understood this correctly, and I'm sure readers will, or sorry, listeners will email me if I didn't, but I think this is what he said. And I'll put the link to this video in the show notes for this podcast. But he basically said, in order to, to measure the frequency response of the speaker, it's not like how you or I might do it with a audio precision or whatever, or how John Atkinson might do it. They took the speaker into an anic, anic, oh, I can't even say it now, anechoic chamber. Right. They take, they take 300 measurements of that speaker, and then they crunch those numbers with some algorithm that they've developed, right? So it's not just a straight measurement. This is a very sophisticated combination of 300 measurements that then arrives at a sort of frequency response. And I think this is to do with factoring in off-axis response as well yes. as on, right? BBC does the same. Well, they used to. I remember right. before it was torn down, I went to the Kingswood Warren facility at the BBC and watched how they did it. Um, Dynaudio does kind of a variation on that theme as well bang and olufsen right. does that you know where they, they they'll put the speaker in a giant anechoic room out on a platform and yes. then they rotate the mic all around and they measure everywhere so that's but the, that's where the magazine's measuring goes south for me because i'm just thinking well okay you're measuring speakers in your backyard you're measuring speakers here or there or everywhere you just, it's, it's again, look at your skill and the end result in what you're doing with video now versus mm. when you started. Right. You know, yes. the more time yes. you spend in the seat, the better you get, the more your skills improve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're, if you're not building this stuff and taking to market and all of that, I just, I just don't believe that. I, I, I've never been, the, the measurements, any of them, and I'm not just singling out one particular magazine. The measurements have never, never, the measurements have never influenced a purchase for me, ever, ever. Right. And I, I understand that they do influence purchases for other people. And if people get their enjoyment from buying gear that they know measures well, measures if, that's where the, if, that, if that's where they get their buzz, yep. totally legit, right? But yes. it's where it where it's where those guys then turn around and say, "Well, that thing is garbage because it doesn't measure as well," or that thing to bring it back to the theme of the day, that thing is snake oil because it doesn't measure at all, or it, it measures poorly, or there's not enough of a difference, or it's really expensive. Do you see what I mean? It's just right. again we're back back to this consumer behavior thing, because snake oil is all about consumer behavior not manufacturer behavior. I think that's what, what I'm really trying to get to Well, today. and you know what? In in light of recent world developments, I think we have much bigger things to worry about than whether... <laughs> yes, we do. We do. I, I always try and get a recommendation for every podcast now. And this one, this one is not electronic. Okay. This is, a, this is um, by a chap called Ben Salter. He's a, a, I guess you would call him a singer-songwriter. I hate that term, but that's what he's called. Yes, I do He's from Australia. He lives in Tasmania. He's, I, I just think he's a bit, he's, he's offbeat enough to be interesting. So he makes pop music that kind of walks with a limp. Um, ah. but it's not really pop music. It's kind of acoustic pop, really. But the, his first album, it's called The Cat. I mean, he's made okay. a few, uh, four albums now, five albums. But his debut is called The Cat. It's very hard to find 
even on CD. So vinyl, okay. forget it. CD. Oh, wait, there may be some vinyl in his band camp. I'm not sure. Can you stream it? Uh, I think it is on streaming services. Yeah. Ben Salter. Okay. So just as you would spell that. And it's called The Cat. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's it's quite, it's a little bit introspective. It's a little bit Australian because obviously Ben is Australian. Um, Got it. It's really cool. That's my recommendation for the month. And it's not electronic. I've been kind of in the midst of everything. I've I've been kind of I've been in kind of a '90s groove. So I've been mm-hmm. I've been listening to a lot of Lloyd Cole this last week. Really, he's somebody I never really got into, but I feel like I yeah. I should be into him. Well, you know, there was the big Matthew Sweet connection. Was you there? Know? How? When? The big. He was um, Matthew Sweet played on. Um, Oh God, which Lloyd Cole is it? Uh, Don't get hooked on me, babe. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, That's yeah, he does. Yeah, and they've they're buddies, and you know, and I think Lloyd Cole's played on a few of his things, and yeah, I've, oh. I don't know why I've, I've always loved Lloyd Cole, so I've been I've been listening to um, music in a foreign language this last week more than okay, you know, but uh, cool. and of course we. Here's another thing I got to put a, a bit of shameless self promotion in for me. Um, <laughs> we are we are we are starting a podcast, and it's going to be nothing like what you and I are doing. We're calling sure. it guilty guilty pleasures, and mm. it's going to be nothing but music and just music that you love that that doesn't have any audiophile sensibility whatsoever. You know. Oh man, it, I've got loads of that. <laughs> I know. So I want you to join me on my podcast. Happy to. And, you would um, love to do that. I would, I'd love to talk about music. Actually, it's, it, yes. I don't get to do it enough, and yes. I really so, enjoy it. So I'm hoping you will be a regular guest on, and we can chat about music because I. Oh, that'd be great. Yes. You know, it's it's it's. You can cut this out if you want. I I've been telling people to think of it as the anti Lynn Stanley channel. You know, it's um. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm leaving it probably, in if you want me to leave it, leave it in, Jeff. You can I'm leave it in. I don't have a problem with that. It's it's sure. that, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not a fan of audiophile music that much. Sure. And, um, you know, it's, again, back to the last thing and then I'll go. It's back to the JBLs and back to, um, to um, anti-audiophile music. I remember once I was driving around with Kevin Deal from Upscale Audio, who also used to work in mid-fi retail back when we were both very young guys. And he mm-hmm. goes, he goes, man, he goes, remember when you just like go out back behind the store and smoke a joint and like put Gino Vanelli on a pair of JBLL 100s and how bitching that sounded. <laughs> <laughs> and so there you go. And I had to agree. I was like, that's- you know, that's a good memory. <laughs> Well, so, on that note, Jeff, I think we should wrap it up because this has been, our, yes, I think, our longest long podcast to date. Well, and we're all going to get crucified for this one. So, you know. We probably are, but that's yeah. just the way it goes. I mean, this is yeah. my our opinion on this. And it's just in the in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. So, no. yeah. Anyway, thanks so much, Jeff. And I'll talk to you again next time. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay. Keep up the social distancing. And uh, as will I, you know, I'm. I'm just hanging out back here listening to records. So it's, I'm watching it go by. I'm hoping that everybody's still with us, you know, a year down the road and we can just look back on this and go, wow, wasn't that crazy? So that's my hope. In the meantime, stay at home and wash your hands. 
You have been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast with me, John Darko, and Tone Audio's Jeff Dorgay.